Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and as I tend to forget, also available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by Captain... Gary Traversa, uh, Good morning. Interim Operational Support Division Commander, and Captain Thomas Dolly, Interim Detective Bureau Commander. Good morning. We'll talk about those changes in, in titles and assignments a little bit later. But let's start with a check of the weather, uh, and then we'll do some news. And, and then I'm going to try something new for a change. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 21st. Greetings! Today, sunny, with a very cold high of 14. Tonight, mostly clear, with a dangerously cold low of negative 7. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, with a high of 22. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! I love that kid in his forecast more and more every time I listen to it. I so, I so look forward to getting up and having that email. How old is he? At 14, I think. Wow. And uh, I didn't. I haven't been on the air to share this. So um, during during the ice storm, so when we agreed that we would switch the format over and, and use Jacob's forecast instead of the automated forecast, I, I reached out for him, and then uh, his dad reached out for me. And so we spoke by phone, and I said, "Look, right, we're going to use your forecast for emergency planning." And then I went out and signed up for his newsletter, and so I, I get the forecast emailed in my inbox on a regular basis. But during the, the last ice storm, I get an email like in the middle of the weekend, off hours, and it was basically uh, just a plea. He's like, I was out in my neighborhood and it's very slippery and I'm worried about people. Can you just let people know <laughs> it's really slippery? I'm like, all right, Jacob, I'm not sure that I can like go knocking on doors or anything, but we'll do what we can. Um, so that was pretty cool. All right, news items. I was trying to decide the order of priority that I'm going to put these news items in, and then I just decided that kind of after the week we've had, i got to go with big happy news. So big happy news is it looks like uh, a buyer has been identified for Patrick's Pub, um, the McNitch Restaurant Group, who is currently responsible for the 101 restaurant in. I'm going to screw it up. The new restaurant in the new Holiday Inn who used to be the owners of the old heritage. They are in negotiations to buy Patrick's Pub, which means that Patrick's Pub, a long-standing anchor in the downtown, will um, you know, be in good hands and continue. The McNinches have a reputation based on all of their experience with the old heritage and what's been happening at the 101. So that's, uh, that's good news for the city. It's good news for the department. I don't know about you guys. Um, we are frequent purveyors of Patrick's for lunch mm. in the office. It's a nice short walk. Yeah. They take care of us, um, so happy to hear that. In other big law enforcement-related news, uh, Attorney General Healy has announced her intention to run for governor. Um, I've actually had a a really positive uh, interaction and relationship with A.G. Healy um, since she, she ran for attorney general. She went... She went through the effort when she was on the trail and the, going through the election to travel uh, throughout the Commonwealth. But she spent a significant amount of time on a day-long trip out here to the Berkshires doing listening sessions with chiefs of police. Um, we had a lot of in-depth, detailed conversation. Uh, we didn't agree on everything, but she was very polite. She was very respectful. I was honored with Captain Trepani to be able to travel to her swearing in when she became the attorney general. We went out to Boston for that. Uh, she was one of the first people to reach out for me um, when I was named to the post commission. And it was just unsolicited. She just kind of like fired off an email and said, hey, how's it going? 
Um, so that was pretty cool. So big news for the Commonwealth. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And then another law enforcement related news. And I'm, I'm just going to pick on this one because we actually have an association uh, with the unfortunate uh, person involved in this. But um, I got an email the other day from the mass chiefs looking for some information again related to the post commission we'll talk about the post commission towards the end of the show um because they had just gotten an inquiry from the town of savoy and the town of savoy had suddenly and without warning um been thrown into a situation where they now have to search for a new police chief and they have to search for a police chief who is eligible to be certified under by the post commission and the reason is that um the current police chief who used to be a member of our department is beyond the the upper limit in age to continue to serve and they had thought that they had gotten a home rule petition approved to allow him to keep working which is it's what's required we've done that in the past we did that for captain o'neill um but they didn't so he can't work so they got to replace him it's if you read the article it's it's odd like just one one question during a select board meeting and all of a sudden they're like hey wait a minute this guy can't serve boom no warning and they can't go back? Mm-mm. Nope. Can't do it retroactively. Yeah. And he's quite a bit over the, the limit there. I, I'm not putting a number on it. <laughs> just, he's over the limit. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Um, yeah, so all kinds of interesting and weird stuff going on in law enforcement in the county. Yeah. Lots going on in the department, too, as evidenced by the YouTube gentleman. Mm. But before we get to that, because I wasn't here last week, um, Captain Traversa, what's going on with the recruiting drive? That deadline's coming up, right? Yeah, we went, you know, fast and furious for, um, you know, maybe. Wait a minute. I forgot. I said I was going to do something new today. I okay. completely forgot. All right. All right. So we've never done this before, but I realized on the way in here, uh, today is a significant day. There's, there's a reason you're on the board. And Smart Gary's not. It's Smart Gary's birthday. Oh, right, yeah. So shout out and happy birthday to Smart Gary. He's uh, he's actually off uh, doing family stuff for his birthday. It also happens to be the birthday of our friend and colleague and the city's public information officer and director of admin services, Roberta McCulloch Dews. So happy birthday, Mrs. Dews. Happy birthday. All right, now, recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went... Uh you know, for about a, I don't know, a week or two after, you know, coming back from the, uh, the week between, between Christmas and New Year's and went fast and furious and um, had some recruiting events. We did a virtual event through Mass Hire, um, pushed some stuff out on social media, um, you know, try to do what we can, we can with the short window that we have and also... Um, you know the fact that uh, it, it's we can, we can't hold anything in person. You know, it's, yeah. we're, we're kind of restricted here. Um, so hopefully we got the word out, and you know we did. Uh, Chief, you had done a PSA here at the WTBR with Sergeant Callahan, and um, hopefully that's been played a lot. I actually haven't caught it on a on a program, but um, I'm hoping that it's been played and uh, maybe. You know, just us talking about it on the show and encouraging people to sign up for that test. We're now in the late window, so um, anybody that's interested or know somebody that's interested, um, have them go to uh, mass.gov backslash civil service and sign up. So I, I haven't taken the opportunity to thank you. I just wanted to thank you personally for um, responding when I got, I got an email from uh, academy classmate of mine, Deputy Chief Sear. And, oh, yeah. and he, you know, he's like, I saw what you guys are doing with Mass Hire. Can you explain it to me? I said, nope, I can't because I got other stuff going on. <laughs> and this was entirely, at the time, Lieutenant Traverse's project. So he's going to have to explain it to you. So I was happy to introduce the DC to you. And thank you for graciously responding to him. Uh, Ian, Ian is one of my, I mean, like I said, we're Academy classmates. And we've had similar career trajectories. So I'm always happy to see if we can do something to support him and his department because they're always so supportive of us yeah he um, kind of zoom bombed us yeah <laughs> <laughs> i didn't you know i obviously there uh you had to register to get in but uh 
you know, he, he, there's this guy here in the office and, you know, plain clothes, I had no idea, you know, and then he, he spelled it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've talked about this on the show repeatedly, but I still get questions in the community. Um, as a matter of fact, before, um, before the city's inauguration, I was setting up meetings with incoming city councilors. I'm getting questions from city councilors, and, and there's a lot of misunderstanding and so just so for our viewers and listeners, we we are the city of Pittsfield remains a civil service community for police and fire. And that means that our hiring process is the, the beginning of our hiring process. The outset of our hiring process is entirely controlled by the Commonwealth's Human Resources Division Civil Service Unit. Um, and so and just to clarify, the only way out of that is by legislative act. I, you know, we, we can't just opt. I had, you know, counselors say, well, why don't you just come out of civil service, chief? It's not, it's not the police department's authority to do that. It's a political decision. It requires a home rule petition. Um, and so we're civil service, and as long as we remain in civil service, the process that we adhere to to get recruits, to get candidates, is through the civil service process. So take the statewide test, pass the statewide test, get placed on the statewide list in ranked order, depending on a couple criteria. And we've spoken about some of those veteran, d disabled veteran resident. And then once that list is certified, we figure out how many vacancies we might be attempting to fill. Our human resources office contacts civil service, and we ask for a certified list. And when we receive that list, that's when our involvement in the process starts. Now, for the last several years, we've tried to kind of front load that process by encouraging people to sign up for the test, advertising the test, um, helping people sign up for the test, holding sessions at the old Taconic High School to coach people on some of the stuff that would be on the test. Because what we realized was without some proactive effort on our part, the candidate pools we were seeing were small and not local. And so even if we were under our residency preference and we were asking for the residence list, there just weren't enough people on the list. And without getting, you know, without belaboring this too much, the process from signing up for the test until we get that certified list is lengthy. And then once we establish contact with the candidate, our process is lengthy. I think we've given estimates in the past for some people it could be two years from signing up for the test to we kind of get you through the hiring process. Um, and that's frustrating because our vacancies occur in real time, but our ability to fill those vacancies occurs in this artificial time frame established by civil service. So we found out that historically the test has been offered every two years. Now they're offering it every one year, so the list will refresh. But you know that's that's good bad because that might mean a candidate that we had identified that we were looking at and we had done some work with, they might now be lower on the list That's and right. outside of the zone that we can work with. So, you know, there's within the system, there's, there's benefits, but there's more limitations. And so, for example, um, newly promoted Lieutenant Mazio kind of runs that, that, you, that function for us, the, the application background check process. And for the last two years, it's about two years. We've contacted civil service, and the, the term is opened requisitions. We said we, we have vacancies we want to we hire. And I think we've opened four. Mm -hmm. In each of those four, we asked for a requisition for six vacancies, which under the civil service formula, we should be looking at 13 scoring bands for each of those six. In each case, we got less interested qualified candidates than we asked for. So we asked for six, and we, we ended up with five. We, we asked for six, and we ended up with four. By the time we vetted them out of each of those requisitions for six, we ended up with two or three going into the academy. And then we've got to figure a 30% attrition rate in the academy. So we're opening requisitions for six vacancies, and we're ending up with one or two potential hires. It's not sustainable. It, it's just been brutal. Um, so we've, we've, uh, done some laterals. We brought some people in from other departments. Um, 
but at the same time we're dealing with this on the front end of the system we've got to deal with the fact that we've got some very veteran personnel and their end of career and so the uh, the circumstance i found myself as as chief looking at going into the tail end of last year was that i knew that two members of our command staff were retiring in in the first portion of this year and um when they announced their retirement so the, the pending retirements are are captain mark trapani current the commander of the detective bureau planned retirement he's got his time you know combined with his military time he's, he's gonna go and that's not a secret we knew that one coming up and then the other one is captain michael grady uh who's currently the operational support division commander uh and he also had planned a retirement but um he, he also had some stuff going on uh, health-wise and the element of health meant that his anticipated date of retirement which was well beyond captain trapani's date of retirement actually could have been moved earlier and that we didn't know how much earlier that became a floating number it could have been anywhere between you know a matter of days and a matter of months and so with that unpredictability i i had to ask for a meeting with the mayor and said i can't take the chance right there's if both of these members of our department go back to back in short order and the positions are left vacant i won't be i won't be able to manage the day-to-day operations of the department it just won't happen um so we had a conversation the mayor and i uh director taylor from human resources and we decided that we would proactively um make some promotions and, and preempt the turnover so that we would be ahead of the game and um, the selected candidates could uh, conduct an effective turnover with their their incumbents and pick their brains for all that institutional knowledge that we were at risk of losing. And then we came up with a plan in December that we would make those to coincide with shift change so there wouldn't be a whole bunch of things shifting week after week after week. So shift change was last weekend? 16th. Last weekend, yeah. And uh, so we cut the personnel orders effective um, last Sunday. And so what that meant was that Lieutenant Traversa, who many of who our viewers and listeners are well familiar with because he is frequently here, uh, he was going to get promoted. It's temporary promotion pending the retirement into Captain Grady's position, right, which that's a smooth transition for you because you've been in that division uh, as his direct report anyway. So essentially you're stepping up into your boss's shoes. Uh, and then Captain Dolly, who was the day shift commander, uh, but prior to going back to patrol as a patrol supervisor, uh, long tenure in the detective bureau, Lieutenant uh, Dolly was going to promote to interim captain and step in and turn over with Captain Trebani and take command of the detective bureau, which also made a lot of sense because you have experience at the at the command level as a shift commander you've been on the command staff for a while you have previous experience in the bureau and i think more importantly you have a great working relationship with the incumbent lieutenants in the bureau so there there's not going to be any interpersonal stuff you you worked hand in hand with both lieutenant souls and lieutenant madalena so once that decision was made and you guys kind of were like all right you know i'm not going to I'm not going to panic and say no. Then we had to figure out your relief. And uh, that, that took a little more thought. So um, Sergeant Matt Hill, who was, uh, I think, when he and I spoke uh, before the orders were cut, if memory serves, he's been a supervisor on the day shift for 17 years. That's a long time to be in one assignment. Um, longer, than, longer than I've been the chief. And uh, so Sergeant Hill was promoted interim lieutenant. And for reasons that, you know, he requested and he articulated very well, he transferred over from the Uniform Patrol Division to the Operational Support Division to replace Lieutenant Traversa, Captain Traversa. So he's moving into your job, and uh, he'll, he is and will be shadowing you for an effective turnover. And then Sergeant, now Lieutenant John Mazio, who we mentioned earlier because he has been running the selection and background unit, he stepped in to backfill for then lieutenant now captain dolly is the day shift commander which 
I saw him in uniform in sunlight the other day, and it was almost like a. It was almost like an existential experience. John spent so much time in plain clothes yeah. and on nights that seeing him in uniform during the day just <laughs> kind of like struck me. Uh, very unusual. So that's a that's a lot of command turnover uh, in a very short period of time. But the alternative would have been a nightmare for all of us. Yeah, it's um, it's good to get you know feet wet while you know the our respective. Uh, predecessors are still here you know like you said there's a lot of institutional knowledge that we need to soak up yeah so. so i mean captain grady um captain grady was in the academy class well in in the in the recruitment class that was the class before me he, he might or the, the group before me he may have been two academy classes before me but it was the the hiring group previous to me so he's been in the department on the street since 93 or 94. Captain Trapani was in the selected group. I think it was two after me. I think it was... Um, he was in mine. So we were actually 98. Okay. So we're a yeah. couple of years. So I came out of the academy in 96. I think the group uh, was Sergeant Parisi and Sergeant Herland was the one right after that. And I think you guys were the one after that. Yeah. I was Captain Trapani's uh, primary field training officer. So, you know, we're, we're looking at guys with 26 to 29 years of experience, both with a wide variety of assignments. Um, Captain Grady was, was picked out of patrol immediately after 9-11. Uh, he and, and now Sergeant Gray were transferred to uh, essentially what was Homeland Security for us. Right. As as all the police departments were pivoting, uh, we had to create a new division. It was called special operations at the time, but it was essentially our homeland security liaisons. He got yanked out of uniform to go do that. And I don't think he's been back in uniform ever since. He moved from there to the drug unit, to the detective bureau, um, all kinds of things. Captain Trapani, he and I were bike patrol officers together. He went from patrol to crime scene to the drug unit, to the detective bureau, back to Patrol, he did patrol as a back to patrol, I think, um, and then back to the detective bureau, and so we're we're looking at not just their command experience, which has been valuable to me, but their oper operational and institutional experience, and we couldn't risk losing that. We we have to do something to capture that. Um, by the same token, you know, you you essentially helped me create a new division, right? It was it was a sub bureau when we moved you into it to begin with and then we realized there was so much work there that we had to expand it and when we reorged the department we shifted you in into the new division operational support uh you you built that from the ground up with me and it's not something there, there's no book for that right it didn't exist yeah. we had to create it so it's not like patrol where we can go to the policy manual and say here lieutenant you know welcome back that we have to write that book and um you know you're gonna have to write it with lieutenant hill <laughs> so um it just changes daily you yeah, know it, it changes yeah. with the demands and so i it, you know it's as trying to explain this at the police advisory review board meeting it's, like, it's not it's not just how we provide services right that that's not going to change it's how we manage how we provide services and that is, that's something that we've worked way too hard at for a long time to risk losing and, and starting over. So this overlap was pretty important. Um, but then that, so we made, we made the two sergeants got promoted to lieutenant. So, you know, naturally and rationally, now we've got to figure out what we're going to do for the sergeants. So that brings us back to the recruitment woes because... With everything else that's going on and dealing with ongoing effects of the pandemic, the patrol force is, is, is working constant overtime. And so if we were to make those promotions right now, the potential impact on patrol would be devastating. And so it's, there's, there's more first-line supervisors, sergeants, than there are commanders. So I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's a little less tricky to arrange coverage at the sergeant's level than it is at the captain and lieutenant's level. So we're gonna pause and, and hold off a little bit and kind of let the dust settle. 
and then we'll figure out what we're going to do on the sergeant's promotions. Um, some good candidates on the sergeant's list too, so that's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's a it's a good list, healthy list. So, uh, Cap, yeah, <laughs> Captain Dolly, you were a little apprehensive when we first spoke about it. Yeah. Then you were pretty <laughs> excited. Like I saw you, and you're like, "Oh, it's yeah. good to be back." Yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. It really yeah. is. Um, that excitement lasted all of one day. Yeah, and, then, it, and think, then you had a day. I think they want to send me back to the patrol now. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. We won't get into the details of of all of the calls, but you had a day. You had a day. Sure did. Oh, um, yeah. We, uh, we were busy. We were, we've been busy since the 16th. Yeah. The day I took over. So. But I think the day after I saw you and kind of like said, oh, it's good to see you back up in the bureau. And you're like, yeah, it feels good. Yeah. That, that was the day that started off with the fatal car fire. Yes. And it went from there. <laughs> and, and it was like that all day. It, it was like it that was all day. Until we left. Yeah. yeah but uh, we managed to push through it. Um, you know, as you know, I got a, I got a great group up there. Um, it, I, I will have to say. And this, this is in jest because I know he's deeply involved in all of this. It was interesting that you were the face I was seeing all day that day and not Captain Trapani. Captain Trapani was very much, nope, I'm in a mentoring role. Let me be over here. Yep, call me if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. It was just funny. It was, um, it, it was good to see you there. Right, and I, you know, you and I have had a lot of talks over the last couple of years about what it means when you make one of these transitions. Right, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but you know, the conversation uh, when you were patrol commander, and I rolled out on a critical incident, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "Well, I'm in here doing this, 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 and this." I'm mm -hmm. like, "If you're doing that, give me those lieutenant bars, right? That's patrol officers' work. I need you over here doing this stuff." Uh, and it's hard, right? Because we—it's a hard transition. Yeah, we come to this job because we yeah. want to work, we want to operate, and then you take a certain promotion. And you're like, "Oh yeah, you know, now I'm a I'm a personnel manager. I'm a resource manager," uh, and you have to stop doing some of the stuff that attracted you to the job in the first place. How about you, Captain? How's your week been? Um, yeah, a little, little different than expected, um, but uh, you know we're really trying to, uh, you know, put on paper, I guess, as much as we can. You know, we uh, Captain Grady and I met with uh, Lieutenant Hill just to, you know, try to because it, you know, like you said, for me, it's not a huge change. Um, yes, I'm going to be taking on um, some some functions that the captain has, you know, kind of taken exclusive responsibility for, and that'll be new. And you know, he's he's pulled me in, and you know, going to meetings and being in on on messaging and whatnot. Um, but it's it's really brand new for for Lieutenant Hill, so um, you know, trying to kind of spell it out a little more of of what we do, and and also at the same time. You know, uh, give them the the climate of of the division and the fact that we could think we're doing you know this uh, you know this week this project, but this might come up. And I, I mean, that's police work in general. It happens all the time to to everybody. We, it, but it but it's different in operational support, right? And maybe we'll get into this in a little more detail when we come back. But you know, one of the reasons when we brainstormed we created operational support is patrol uniform patrol and investigations the detective bureau and the drug unit while their work is very unpredictable when it comes to caseload the the operational details are the same right you go on a call you interview people you start an investigation you document it if it's significant you call for the detective bureau right? the the process is known, and everybody who comes up through the process is familiar with the process. What we realized with operational support is you don't ever know what the process is, right? Something happens out in the field that they don't have a policy or a protocol or a procedure to deal with because it's new, and then somebody's got to go create it. And so whether that's calling for the SRT and what it means when the SRT gets there or you know, this, this has happened for me a couple of times. We do a large scale property theft investigation and we seize a ton of property. Where do we put it, right? Back in the day, 
you know, I didn't get reprimanded, but I did get my wrist slapped. I, I went and rented a storage box. I didn't have a choice, right? It was, in, it was the middle of the night on the weekend, and we had to secure this evidence. So I did it. And, uh, you know, they're like, you don't have a PO for that. I was like, well, I couldn't leave the evidence unsecure, right? You got you to make decisions. And so operational support was created to do those exact things. When, when operations is out of their depth, how do, how do we fix that? And so special operations, special projects, special research. And then, you know, again, it's the season. Special events. Mm-hmm. That's just a whole new animal. But let's, uh, let's take a break for station identification, another check of the weather. We'll come back and we'll continue talking about all things related to transfers and personnel. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 21st. Greetings! Today, sunny with a very cold high of 14. Tonight, mostly clear with a dangerously cold low of negative 7. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 22. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein from WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Shire Brewhouse at the Stationery Factory in Dalton, offering music bingo on Tuesdays, trivia on Wednesdays, live comedy or music on Thursdays, and karaoke on Fridays. Find their menu online at shire.beer, located at 19 Flansburg Ave in Dalton. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear, because we have podcasts. Type in wtbrfm.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. It's now time for the WTBR Jobs Board, underwritten by Interprint Inc. and Pittsfield. Interprint offers eight-hour fixed shifts, competitive wages, and excellent benefits. To join the growing Interprint team, search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. The Pittsfield Public Schools has an opportunity for you. They're looking for bus drivers, bus monitors, and cafeteria helpers. These part-time positions come with great starting pay and benefits. For more information, go to Pittsfield.net and click on the Job Openings tab. Bosque Mountain is looking for a mechanic to start immediately. The Mountain Mechanic inspects, maintains, diagnoses, and repairs a wide variety of equipment. This is a full-time year-round position. They're also looking for lift operators for the upcoming season. Find out more by going to BoscoMountain.com and click Work With Us on the bottom of the page. The WTBR Jobs Board was underwritten by Interprint Inc. in Pittsfield, the number one decor designer and printer for the world's finest laminators. To join the growing Interprint team, Search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. This is Chief Mike Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And this is Sergeant Cheryl Callahan. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2022 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible women and men who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at mass.gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is January 18th, with the late registration window open until February 1st. Exam fees are $100 through January 18th, and then $150 if registering during the late window. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill numerous vacant positions in 2022 and 2023. This message has been brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department and WTBR. Pittsfield residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsfield to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Good morning. Welcome back to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And as I said at the top of the hour, available as an archive on all of your popular podcast platforms. That's assuming I get the file and manage and remember to go back in and, and upload it to, 
uh, to the podcast platform. Chief, as long as we're talking about um, social media, I just want to point out that the recruitment event that we did virtually through Mass Hire, uh, we had two of them last week, and the second one was recorded, and it is available on YouTube. Uh, We have a link on the PittsfieldPD.org website, our our website. If you go to the um, Join PPD tab, under new hire, right at the top there, click on that. That'll bring it to the YouTube channel, and that's about an hour and a half. Um, you know, we I think provided a a good amount of information on new hires. We got into the laterals a little bit. Um, I, you know, I started it out, and uh, Lieutenant Mazio uh, provided a lot of information on the process. Uh, Lieutenant Bradford talked about our field training program. Uh, Officer Farnham talked about his experience as a lateral, and then um, Officer Horn talked about how it is to to come in and and be a new officer. So if uh, anybody's interested and didn't catch that last week, uh, please go to uh, pittsfieldpd.org and uh, click the link for that that YouTube video. So quick, quick, humorous little... Uh, digression. I'm standing at my desk the other day and I get a notification, email notification of the security uh, alert on my Gmail account. And I'm like, now what? And then I realized one of the two Garys was uploading something to YouTube because (laughs) the credentials for that are tied to my chief's office Gmail account. So moment of panic. Serenity now. <laughs> <laughs> that was birthday, Gary. Yeah, birthday, Gary. He's at it. Um, all right, so we've been talking about a lot of shuffling going on within the department. And so far, we've only been talking about the stuff on the operational side. And it, that's a lot. There's been a lot going on. But at the same time, we're trying to figure out how to make all these promotions, who to promote, who's going to backfill, when we're going to backfill, how we're going to bring people into the front to, to keep the staff numbers up. We also had a bunch of movement on the non-sworn support side. Um, and so it, this was kind of a cascading ripple effect. Uh, we, we had one planned retirement in the division. We knew uh, that one member of our team was going to retire uh, shortly after the first of the year. And we had a plan to, to kind of like transition that and, and backfill that. And the non-sworn, um, the non-sworn positions get handled a little bit differently because the sworn things we pretty much own in-house, right? The department handles everything other than creating that list and having the candidates sign email their acknowledgement of the list from that point forward it's it's handled by the cops on the non-sworn side we don't actually get our personnel don't actually get involved in it until the process is is pretty well down the road it's handled by hr uh and so we had made notification to hr that we had this pending retirement and we had a plan when it was going to get posted um that particular position is union, so it meant it had to be posted internally first before it could be posted externally. So, you know, we're like, all right, well, let's get through this. And then uh, not not too long before the end of the year, a little bit before the end of the year, uh, another team member informed me that they had been offered an opportunity in the private sector, and they had decided to take it, and they were going to take it right after the first of the year. But for reasons of their own and, you know, that I chose to respect, they didn't want us to make the announcement um, well in advance. They just they didn't want to deal with it and they didn't want to make uh, deal with the questions. And so we agreed that we would hold off on announcing and posting that till closer to the holidays just to, you know, give them a chance to, you know, get their their exit planned the way they wanted to. Um, and so that that was more of a surprise and it, it caused us a little bit of a ruffle and then going into december a a long-standing project we had been working on uh, about creating a full-time grant manager in the department we were finally able to get everything lined up to do that and um the incumbent candidate that we were you know kind of grooming to to be able to do that um was prepared to make the move and that meant there was going to be a vacancy in my office if this person shuffled and so 
in one day, because of the way the timing was and we were going into the holiday, in one day, HR posted all three of those jobs. And then the floodgates opened. Um, and so that happened right before, right before Christmas. And then as we've already discussed, you know, I was on some leave. Other members of the sport test staff were on leave. And so really came back on like January 4th. And we're like, now we got to get to work filling these jobs. So uh, it, it's been odd. I had, I had three new hire candidate interviews for student officers earlier this week. And I'll start with the non-sworn support staff interviewing non-sworn candidates this afternoon. Uh, it's like multiple personality <laughs> disorder, right? So we've got to fill those, those three vacancies. And, um, and I think for a lot of people, and I, again, I get this when I talk to the community, I think a lot of people don't understand how essential our non-sworn personnel are. And, you know, in, in many of these regards, I'd, I'd say in almost all of these regards, they're, they're technical experts in their area. Um, it takes a long time to get them trained up and get them trained up to their, to a high level of competency that they you know, can just, you know, designate and delegate to them and, and let them go. That's time consuming. And up until, they hope we're going to try to make some uh, adjustments to fix this, but up until now, they're not interchangeable. So, you know, as, as hard as it is on the operations side, you know, essentially a patrol officer is a patrol officer. Right? They all have unique characteristics. They're all unique individuals. But if somebody calls out sick on the day shift, we can take a patrol officer from the evening shift and pop them out there and they're a patrol officer. I can't take my admin and put them in records. That records requires a very specific set of skill and expertise in the public records law. I can't take our finance manager and put them in the firearms bureau. The firearms law and the firearms processing is very specific on a standalone proprietary computer system. And so um, anytime we lose one of these key people, the, the learning curve is very, very steep and the, the overlap uh, is it's difficult. And so, um, you know, we're, we're poised to, to roll through these interviews and get some people into these key positions and get them trained up because the work doesn't stop. And so, um, we're fortunate this time around our records clerk, who's our full-time records clerk, and she's great at what she does. She's also a part-time police officer. And in that capacity, she's familiar with the firearm system Mercs. So she's able to do double duty for a little while right now to get us through. Um, and hopefully that'll be the model we adhere to going forward. Those two positions will uh, cross-train and, and be able to backfill for one another. But the other civilian positions, I'm sorry, non-sworn positions, uh, their, their workflow and their skill set is unique. It's, um, you know, they're completely different job descriptions, which is also something that caused a little hic. I, I, don't, I don't do this enough, right? So... We get the postings all went out the digital applications start coming in and i come back into the office and uh director davis pulls me aside because i think there's a problem with these postings i'm like what do you mean there's a problem with the postings and i hadn't i hadn't seen the 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 live postings i got the email that they had gone out and so she pulls up a bunch of them she goes i've got people applying for the finance job direct report to her and it doesn't look it doesn't look like they have the requisite skill set based on what they put into the system is called Keldare. She goes, and based on what they're communicated, I think they're applying for the <laughs> chief's admin job. I think they're interested in the job in your, in your office. Like that's odd. Why would it be? And so, you know, we're playing with it and we're looking at it. And um, if you go in on our desktop, you know, you look at the actual way the postings were, they're, they're very distinct, right? I don't, I don't remember what the exact language was, what it was like, you know, administrative assistant, confidential, chief of police, finance. Administrative assistant, confidential, office of the chief. I, I don't remember what the last one was. And if you were looking at a full-size desktop, they were different. But if you looked at them on a mobile device, they were cut off. And you know, everybody's doing everything digitally. So it wasn't clear on anything other than a full-size desktop that they were two different jobs. It, it turned out it only impacted a handful of people. But um, that, that caused a couple-day delay in trying to sort that out. So it's always something. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think we've all dealt with that with, uh, you know, different websites. They just look different. 
Did and they it, have to rename it? No, basic. I mean, once we figured out that that was a possibility, um, I just we had uh, Julie and Maggie make some phone calls and, and sort it out. We, if they had to rename it and repost it, we, everybody would have had to have redone it. It would have put us two weeks back. Um, our, our own web, website was like that earlier in you know last year until IT, um, you know, kind of rebuilt it and and relaunched it. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I'm not. I'm not a web guy, uh, HTML guy, but there, that's that's an actual function, right? Yeah. Like when you when you get a web design company, they will say, well, you know, it's not optimization, but they're like, you know, we'll we'll configure it so that because it changes the code, right? It, it, like it, it's landscape on a on a desktop, and then if they do it right, it's portrait on a device, and it's automatic. Yeah, I don't know the tech, you know. Yeah. The technicalities of it either, but it's it's a big deal apparently. Yeah, it's a big deal because <laughs> when it doesn't happen, yeah, bad things happen. Right. All right. So lots and lots of personnel moves, lots of things up in the air, lots of moving parts, and more to be, and more to be. Um, I did my first three student officer candidate interviews via Zoom. I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah it's different. <laughs> did not like that. Oh wait, we, you, you got a dispatch vacancy too. Yeah, that's coming up. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I just got an email, and we're gonna have two animal control officer vacancies. Yep. And the hits keep coming. And the hits just keep <laughs> on coming. Yeah. So we'll be posting for our, uh, first a part-time animal control officer with the potential for that part-time job to become the full-time job when the full-time animal control officer retires, and then we'll repost. For the part-time animal control officer, if the successful part-time candidate elects to become the full-time, <sighs> that's going to be a big loss too. <laughs> it's just, well, it, it, well, it's great. It, it's great that people are, are you know able to move on to retirement and you know different jobs or whatnot. Obviously, you know everybody's it, got their own um, you know stages in life and everything, I, but. They're, like, some of them are, they're so good at their jobs and they've yeah. been there. It, it's just tough to. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So when somebody, when somebody announces that they're going to retire, you know, they've, they've had a lengthy, productive, successful career and they're going to retire and it's a planned retirement. Well, I'm often, um, you know, personally dismayed because you're going to lose a skilled team member and in many cases a friend. I'm always happy for them, right? They're they're going, Absolutely. they're going when they got a life, a lot of life ahead of them, and uh, you know, thank them for their service. They they they've been at it in most cases for well over 20 years. When somebody who has been a productive member of our team and they do you know hard work and they always step up, they find an opportunity to make a decision for themselves to improve to improve their life. I, again, sometimes I'm personally disappointed, but I'm always thankful that for we got what we have from them and that they're going to move on and hopefully, you know, they grew with us and they can do that. Mm. Um, sometimes they come back, <laughs> but we're, all, we're, we're always encouraging them to do what's best for them. In a couple of these cases that we've been talking about, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into any details, it, they, they were departures before people had originally intended because of health issues. And that breaks my heart. That just breaks my heart. Um, you know, I've had conversations with a couple people over the last, you know, week and, you know, several months where you can just tell that they're going, but they're not happy about it. And that those, those are just, those are horrible conversations. Um, but on the other hand, you know, what's the alternative? You stay. And you deal with the day-to-day -day stress that maybe we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and, and then you have to go, right? You, you get to the point where it's not your choice anymore. You're not involved in the conversation. Uh, and in at least one of these conversations, you know, again, I won't name any names or say the position, but I was talking to the person offline and you know, they shared with me, their physician was like, you got kids, right? Yeah. How old are your kids? And gave them you active in their life? Yeah. Imagine some, somebody telling them that dad's not here. 
and the the look on this member's face when he shared that with me, I'm just like, you know, that sucks, right? Get go, get out. <laughs> you gotta you gotta take care of yourself, right? We talk about this all the time. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about mental health lately, but we've also got to focus on physical health. The the job, particularly on the operational side, but not just on the operational side, um, the job's demands are, are significant and it's unpredictable and you never know. Um, we, <laughs> we were having a conversation about the non-sworn support positions and I'm not going to say we were laughing, but we were kind of like just shaking our heads when I was doing station tours with the new city councilors. We're up in the, the second floor outside of the uh, administrative offices, outside my office. And I'm pointing out to the city councilors that on the other side of that firewall is female detention. And I'm trying to make them understand that, you know, use your imagination. On the Tuesday morning of a holiday weekend, as our admin staff is arriving at work in their civilian clothes to go to their office where they do paperwork, so they're coming up a set of stairs, at right around the same time, a angry defendant who has been in our custody since Friday night is being brought out by police officers to go down the stairs to be transported to court. And you can imagine the interactions that occur when our you know, non-sworn, not academy trained staff run into these people who are not always happy. Um, it's, it's a different work environment, right? I told one counselor, I don't know if you guys remember, you guys remember Aki? Yes. When she worked in our office manager's office? Her first day on the job corresponded, and, you know, shame on me, I didn't think about it. You know, we onboarded her, we told her she was coming on, but I, at the time I wasn't always plugged in on what was going on with the in-service schedule. Her first day on the job corresponded to the first day of in-service for patrol on workplace violence actor, active killer. And the scenario for that in-service initiated with gunfire and then the utilization of a four-person diamond formation to pursue the active intelligence and pursue the bad guy. She walks into her office, kind of settles in, and eight minutes later, bang! Gunfire goes off in the basement. She opens her door to see what's going on, and a diamond formation comes sweeping down the hall. <laughs> That doesn't happen in normal workplaces, yeah. right? And so as we do these interviews, we always have to be mindful that we've got to forewarn people. You know, we've, we have had people take jobs with us, and after a couple of weeks, it's like, I, this was not what I expected. They didn't expect to be in close proximity with the prisoners. They didn't expect to you know, hear victims or witnesses you know, um, at their very worst moment in the hallway with a detective uh they didn't expect you know angry people coming in to file complaints um they, they expected an office job and it's not an office job right so um yeah those will be fun all right where are we here for time we're almost out of time i was gonna spend a bunch of time talking about the post commission but i think we'll have to uh we'll have to defer that uh we'll we'll schedule that for a, a regular program i will say that um you know post commission has been busy there's a lot going on we've talked about some of it in the past i think the last time we had a, a large post commission decision was in the fall we passed the uh regulations the commonwealth regulations the cmrs regarding use of force that was uh that was the second big piece of work for the post commission I will tell you that we had a post-commission meeting last Friday morning. That's why I wasn't able to be on the air. In that meeting, we, um, the post-commission took a couple significant actions. The first one did not, is not going to be a matter of regulations. It's kind of an internal product, and I actually just got that last night. Um, it's the process, the paperwork through which new officers, newly hired officers, um, will be documented to be able to apply for certification from the post commission, which is a, a requirement. And existing officers, when their grandfathered certification expires, will have to comply with to recertify. So we, we now have that. The other big one is that, and I, I keep messing this up, 
we voted to approve the draft first phase regulations on the regulatory process that will be in place for certification, suspension of certification, decertification, and recertification. And why that is important is because with our approval on Friday, that now means that the period is open for public comment and then a you know, open public meeting, public hearing, and then the second phase, which is when everything that comes in via public comment uh, and public hearing is returned to the Post Commission. We will have to incorporate that public commentary and issue the draft second phase regulations. Um, and so if you're interested in what's included in that, you can go to the Post Commission's uh, web page on the Mass.gov website. Just go to Mass.gov and search Post Commission, and it'll take you there. And uh, they haven't scheduled the dates for the public hearing yet, but that will be probably in the next three, probably three weeks. Uh, and then if we get through that process and um, we we redraft them in the second phase in a timely fashion. Um, if everything goes as planned, those will be ready for promulgation as regulation on April 15th. That's the, that's the target deadline. And so this, this is big changes to law enforcement in the Commonwealth. And I've been saying in our in-service groups, it's not only important um, that our residents who were, you know, were interested in police reform and involved in police reform, that they take this time to be involved in this process that's what it's intended for but it's also important for our members and um you know their associations and their labor organizations to take the time to review these documents and be heard on them um you know once once they're enacted as law it's going to be very difficult to go back and amend them and time consuming so the time is now for people to weigh in so that we can do that and get that right all right, three minutes left. I'm going to take um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a minute here before we talk about our plans for the weekend. So I you know I I talk about the work that we've been trying to do with mental health and wellness and resiliency for a while, um, both publicly and on this show. And I'm just going to put it out there. I had a bad day on Wednesday. I had a bad day, and at the time when it was happening, I thought I was. Um, I just thought I was just angry uh, about a series of interruptions. But after I've thought about it for a couple of days and talked about it with some people, I realized I was having a full-on fight-or-flight stress response. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but the amount of stimulus that was un, unexpected, unanticipated stimulus that was coming at me in a very short period of time literally drove me into a stress response. And um, I'm not going to get into the details of it. Uh, I, I wrote a little piece about it on LinkedIn. You can go look it up there if you're interested in that. But, you know, I'm thankful that I've spent the amount of time that I have in the last couple of years working on mental health and wellness because I'm 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 pretty convinced that if I hadn't done that prep work, I'd have quit on Wednesday. It was that close. Um so you got to take care of your mental health, right? You you got to do the work because you never know when uh when something's going to happen that's unanticipated that's beyond your capacity at that moment. So I'm better now. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Well, it's Friday. <laughs> it's, it, I'm not touching those phones because I don't know what's waiting for me out there. But <laughs> Anyhow, gentlemen, quick, plans for the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, actually I was telling uh, Tommy on the way over here that uh, my son had caught a boatload of fish with some friends and uh, – he wants to do a, a fish taco night. Nice. So that's the big doings. Ice fishing, or would they travel? No, somewhere? no. This was in the summer. Oh, it's so been yeah. frozen in the freezer. Nice. All right. I was gonna say. <laughs> How about you, T? Most likely be swinging a hammer this weekend in one form or another, and keeping warm. I think that's going to be the key, right? Keeping warm. Yeah. Tomorrow morning is it's brutal. It's supposed to get the minus seven tonight. I think yeah. minus ten. Yeah. Look at the faucets cracked and the cabinets yeah. open. It's, I hate this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I got I got to train. I got to train this weekend because I I missed some training, but I also have a assignment due. So I guess I'm gonna be doing a lot of typing again. 
I am, I am in my third, my first week of my third class towards my second master's. Jeez. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. God bless you. Jeez. Anyhow, that's about all we have for today. Which time we got, Cap? We're done. We're done. So, thank you for tuning in today to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, for most of kind, most of all, be kind. We're 10-8.